This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. Well, good morning. Um, I am Rick Smith. I'm one of the pastors at Mosaic. And may I just say to all you dads, happy Father's Day. And uh, um, can we cheer for our dads here? That's, yeah, yeah. It seemed a little muted there. Um, and for those of you who maybe, maybe your dad um, uh, is not a part of your life, or maybe your dad has passed away, uh, I know this can be uh, a difficult time, uh, and uh, it seems by definition that uh, dads and moms ought to be people that are just around forever. Uh, I remember uh, the shock of having my parents die. My mom died in uh, uh, 2007. And uh, my dad died about a year later, and it was just uh, uh, the sense of uh, anchors in my life gone, and I just felt adrift for a long time. So uh, we um, we want to acknowledge uh, that sadness if it's a part of your life. Um, I want us. Elizabeth read uh, some marvelous words that uh, the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Zephaniah and the apostle Paul and his letter to the Christians at Galatia, uh, wonderful truths uh, that the scriptures are expressing about how our heavenly father views us. Uh, his great love of us. And uh, if you're here today and, and know Christ and have entrusted your life to him, and he's, he's given you forgiveness, he's declared that you are righteous, that is, that you're good enough to be in fellowship with the Father, uh, and receiving all that by faith, uh, these are such important words to sit this morning and let them soak into your heart deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, if you're here and, uh, and not a Christian and maybe exploring Christianity, uh, I think these words are very inviting to let you know, here's the kind of God we're here worshiping. This is, this is a God uh, we are praising this morning. Uh, and and as, I, as I talk more this morning, uh, I won't just be showing the, the wonder of Christianity and our God who created all things, but I'm going to be showing some of the difficult stuff of following him. Uh, just to review for you, Jeremiah, Jeremiah's words, he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare, plans, uh, another way of saying that, pl I have plans 
to take care of you. I have plans for your future, and I have plans to be your hope. And he said, if you'll seek me and find me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Then Zephaniah says, uh, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. Uh, the New International Version translates that. He's a mighty warrior who saves. Uh, he will quiet your hearts. He will take great delight in you, and he'll rejoice over you with singing. We've got a God who is crazy about his people. He wants to bring contentment and peace in our life. And then finally, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, that God's people are received by him through adoption as sons. And of course, in Paul's day, uh, the daughters in a family had no inheritance rights. Uh, they, they, it was all to the sons. So when Paul is writing to men and women and boys and girls, he's saying to each of them, you have been adopted as sons because you have been given the full rights of sonship, whether you're a daughter or a son. Uh, you've been given the full rights of sonship. And, and God could not hold himself back. He just had to send the spirit of his son and put him in your heart. And by the way, he's a spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And Abba is like Daddy, a very intimate term. And the implication is this spirit of God who calls Abba Father, his goal, his job, his desire, his intention with his people is to develop greater and greater intimacy between us and our Father in heaven. That's his job. And he loves us so much, he says, listen, not only are you no longer slaves, but your sons, and not only are you sons, you are heirs to the kingdom of God. Uh, I'd love for you to just soak in that truth this morning. And if you don't know Christ at this point in your life, let this be an invitation. Wouldn't you like to be loved and cared for by the God of heaven and earth in that way? I hope, I hope you feel invited by him in that. Well, uh, I'm, of course, addressing dads this morning, but I'm really addressing moms and everybody else here. Uh, but uh, if, I, if I, at times, uh, simply address the dads, uh, you understand I'm talking to all of you. Uh, and uh, so don't forget that. I won't always include everybody in whatever I say, but you are included as of now. Uh, the question is, I think we have a sense, if we want to be the dad that, that our creator wants us to be, if we want to be the person that God wants us to be, uh, how do we do that? Well, I think we have a sense that if, if we could allow the truths that Elizabeth read 
from the scriptures about the love of God and his actual delight in us and how much he just likes us and how much he wants to care for us. Uh, if we can somehow, uh, how would you say it? Uh, if we can somehow enter into that reality, we have a sense that it would be life transforming and that God would use it to mold us into the people he wants us to be. Another way of saying that, if we could only believe fully all that God says we are to him, we somehow have a sense that that is a transforming belief that affects how we treat other people around us. It affects how we think about ourselves. Entering into the abundant life that God has for us, resting in him, reflecting on, thinking about, preaching the truth to ourselves, dwelling on, soaking in the reality that our God absolutely enjoys us, his people. And don't you have a sense, if you could believe that from the bottom of your soul, that it would change you in radical, radical ways. Now the question is, okay, that sounds simple enough, so I just have to believe that. I have to uh, enter into that. Uh, but there is a problem. There is a problem uh, that's not as easy as it sounds. Let me tell you a story. When I was in the fourth or fifth grade, um, I grew up in Kansas. It was a school day morning, and I rolled out of bed kind of late. Uh, I always tempted the bus to leave me, getting there at the very last minute. But I rolled out of bed, and I looked outside, and it was clear that the night before, we had had a humongous snowstorm. I mean, gigantic. When we had lots of snow, when the snow plows would come and, and cut a path through our driveway, uh, we lived about three miles off the main highway, uh, there was one part that drifted really badly. And uh, the, the drift, when the bus would, would drive through the road by that drift, the drift was considerably higher than the top of the bus. Uh, that's snow. Uh, I got up this particular morning, and the first thought that came to mind when I saw the snow was what? No school. Oh, it was wonderful. I was so excited, and it struck me. I heard mom and dad listening to the TV right after I got up, and I thought, okay, they're listening to see if schools close and how bad the roads are. I thought, oh my gosh, I think this is bad enough that dad can't go to work. He had a plumbing business uh, about 15 minutes away in a small town, and uh, I thought, I can't go to school. Dad can't go to work. It doesn't get any better than this. 
And for months, I've had these wheels and axles for a soapbox racer that I've been wanting to build. You know what a soapbox racer is? They, they run by gravity downhill. They have soapbox derbies. And you, you, you make your own racing car with your wheels and axles and whatever wood you have. And I thought, perfect day for Dad and I to build this. Wonderful. I've been waiting forever. And I get the wheels out and I get the axles out. And it's, I can't tell you how excited I was. And in the far distance, I heard the sound of snow plows. Usually two would come. One would, would cut through the road. The second one would make the swath wider. And when I heard the sound of those snow plows, my exciting, thrilling dream of a lifetime come true vanished. You know why? I knew, I knew Dad would be gone as soon as the snow plows came through. He would be off to work. I knew that because he would get kind of restless and frustrated. Uh, work was really, really important to him. Uh, he was a really good plumber. I think uh, close, not maybe not equal to our own Ed Kuykendall, I'll tell you. Uh, I, I love Ed. I love Ed and I love how he's thrilled about his trade. It's, it's a beautiful God-honoring thing. Uh, but my dad, and it was true, the snow plows came and dad was gone. And do you know that soapbox racer never, ever got made? It makes me sad right now, just thinking about it. Here's this fourth grade boy just wanting to spend the day with his dad building a racer together. And it never happened. That's a, just a snapshot of my life growing up with my dad. Uh, I, I, never, I never could break through and have him more interested in me than he was interested in his work. And I tell you that story because it's what makes it complicated and difficult to simply enter into God's love and allow it to transform us into the people he wants us to be. And it's because we have wounded souls. You know, God's strategy all along, he designed parents, uh, and this is in the book of Deuteronomy, he designed parents to tell their kids all about their creator and all the ways they loved him 
and to pass down the truths of the God of the universe and to demonstrate what a relationship with him looked like. Uh, the problem is something else gets passed down. Uh, in the scriptures, the book of Numbers, I think it's around chapter 14, it talks about the sins of the fathers being passed down to the children and to their children's children, even unto three and four generations. So you have this mix going on. Parents are by design in a very influential role. Parents, we will impact our children deeply for better or worse. But it's this mix of good stuff and bad stuff. And the bad stuff creates wounds in the hearts of our children. And those wounds build walls as our children uh, try to survive, uh, perhaps in childish ways. You know what my survival mode was? My wound caused me to come to this conclusion. I would have never uh, spoken this when I was a fourth or fifth grader. It was kind of going on unconsciously. But here's what I determined. If my dad is not interested in me or my life or what's important in my world, then by golly, I'm not going to be interested in him and what's important in his world. Now, as foolish as that is, it was just a little boy's attempt to survive and make sense of the wound. So, uh, so when I talk about my dad wounding me, I'm not going to take time to tell you his good qualities. And, and he had good qualities, but I don't have time. I, I'm focusing on uh, his decision growing up and this came out of his response to his parents. He decided to be a good husband, to be a good dad, required one thing of him, and that was to make a good living and to provide for his family. Uh, a wonderful, a wonderful resolution. But it's too simple. It's too one-dimensional. So, why can't I simply enter into God's love and have it transform me, uh, giving me the ability to love people around me as I know I am loved? What complicates that is the wounds in my soul. All kinds of wounds. And because none of our parents are perfect, and because our parents uh, were designed to have great impact in our life. Uh, they, are, they are the perfect people to wound us intentionally or unintentionally. And, and of course, other people wound us. Uh, no question about that. Uh, but how in the world, how in the world do I enter God's love with these walls built up in my heart? It's as if, I am a prisoner. I am captive 
to identifying myself as this wounded one with all the walls built up and and here's God's word from the scriptures coming into my ears and they, it comes to my heart and the walls say, uh-uh, nothing is getting through this wall. When I was a child, I built the wall. It's all I knew to do. How as a man, how as a woman, how do we learn as adults in Christ to tear down the walls so that we can receive the glorious love of God more and more fully? Well, uh, you're probably way ahead of me. Um, how do we unleash the power of God? Uh, to free us prisoners who are captured by our identity with the ways we've been hurt? How do we do? Uh, Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, it's for freedom that you've been set free. Don't let yourselves be under a yoke of slavery anymore. Uh, how do we do this? Well, one word, and uh, you'll agree with me. It's simple. All I've got to do is forgive. All I've got to do is to forgive dad. And that forgiveness simply says, that, here's what I mean by forgive. It simply says, you know what? Any wrong you did toward me, any way you failed, uh, you don't really owe me anything, dad. Uh, that's between you and God. And you do have to answer to him, uh, but not to me. You don't owe me anything. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you. I'm not going to hate you anymore. I'm not going to hold this against you. Uh, God's taken my sin, so your sin against me, I'm just going to give that to him and let him take care of that. Uh, okay, so you mean all I have to do to break down these walls? I just have to forgive. Piece of cake, right? Really? Well, how in the world do you forgive? Uh, what I, what I want to do, what I'm basically doing in this message is saying, inviting you to join me to enter in deeply to the love of God for us allowing that to transform us into a people that can love one another in amazing ways. Uh, and I'm trying to go into the specifics of, uh, number one, it's complicated because my soul has lots of wounds in it that won't receive the love of God. And number two, the answer to that is, is simply forgiving, which is not so simple. How in the world does it look to enter the love of God, to rest in it in such a way that I can forgive somebody that's deeply hurt me? How, how does that look? So I'm just inviting you on this journey uh, as a kind of template. For this is what God's sanctifying work looks like 
in the life of a believer. Um, here's one thing that has to happen, and this is hard. Uh, we've got to be willing to acknowledge the wounds and to look at them closely and in detail and with great honesty. And just if, if you're sitting there kind of aware of, uh, let's say, a pretty significant wound in your life, just to hear the words uh, suggesting we have to face that, that, that should be stirring up uh, some junk. You know, the pain in facing uh, a deep wound, it's frightening. It's really scary. It takes just enough faith in God to say, Lord, uh, this feels like stepping off a thousand-foot cliff with no parachute. But I'm going to do it. And I'm pretty sure, not absolutely sure, but I'm pretty sure you're there to catch me. So I'm going to look at this. In my case, in my case, I actually became a pastor uh, when my dad was gone all the time and more interested in work, it seemed, than in me, uh, I felt no acceptance from him, no respect, no interest, very little care. Guess what? I thought, and this wasn't real conscious, I'll become a pastor and my leaders, my elders, right? They're going to respect me and they're going to accept me. I needed their acceptance and respect to feel alive. And I went after it. And see, I didn't know what was driving me. I didn't know the wound was at work. Uh, but as I sought after life in all the wrong places, as a pastor, mind you, I know God loves me, but somehow something is insulating me from him. Everything went wrong with those relationships. Everything blew up in my face. And it got so bad that I had to start looking at what was going on inside me. God put me in a position that gently forced me to acknowledge something's wrong inside with me. Um, okay, we acknowledge the wounds. We need to keep crying out to God about our pain and distress. He has us. We need to welcome his help and comfort uh, the key in all of this is God is there, and he will not let this crush us, even though it feels like it's going to. Then another, another bullet point. We need to become a student of the one who wounded us. Uh, here's what I mean by that. 
uh, when somebody wounds you and it's it's deep, it's hurtful, it's ongoing, and they're a pretty powerful person in your life, pretty influential, um, essentially they become your enemy. Uh, my dad was mine, and our relationship, a good part of my growing up years, was filled with tension. Uh, I'm not interested in your world if you're not interested in mine. Uh, lots of tension. Uh, I needed to become a student of dad. I needed to grow to understand what makes this man tick. What is important to him and why is it important to him? How, how did the brokenness and sin of his mom and dad how did that affect him growing up? What made him decide all I've got to do is provide a good living? As I grow to understand him and get to know him, uh, and by the way, God uh, orchestrated circumstances so that I had the privilege I offered to do this, if you can imagine. I worked with Dad for four years in his plumbing business. We moved from California, being on Young Life staff, back to Kansas uh, for me to become a plumber for four years. And I offered. He'd hurt his back. And God orchestrated all that. And God gave me four years to understand this man that he put in my life. And you know what happened as I became a student of his and, uh, and learning his trade and I found myself thinking of him more as a human being and less of an enemy. I started seeing strengths of his that as a kid I was just mad. I couldn't see. I started understanding how in his family he, he just hardly ever learned what love was. I quit viewing him as an enemy and started seeing him as part of humanity as an actual image bearer of God. He didn't know Jesus, but oh, he had some wonderful qualities. And as I got to know that, does that excuse how he treated me as a kid? Not at all, not at all. But what it did as I became a student understanding him more it softened my heart. The Spirit actually softened my heart, and he brought forgiveness. And that began to tear down that wounded wall. And I began to enjoy God, uh, to enjoy Dad just a little bit more, month after month after month. So friends, uh, that person that's been uh, significant in your life that has wounded you deeply,
I wonder if you would take the risk, even if you look at them as an enemy, to take the risk of saying, Lord, you want me to love even my enemies. Would you help me step in this person's shoes and just give me greater understanding and just soften my heart? I want to forgive. I want to quit treating them as if they owe me. They may owe you, but they don't owe me. As forgiveness came, when you've forgiven somebody, even if they're an enemy, um, the next step is the possibility of reconciling the relationship, restoring the relationship. Uh, this is optional. Uh, if, if that person is no longer alive, you can't do that. If that person, uh, if you go to them uh, in honesty and kindness and love, talk openly about how they hurt you, uh, they may get angry and stay angry, and the relationship may never be restored. That's okay. That's sad, but that's okay. But another possibility is that if you talk honestly and op openly and painfully, uh, it may bring them to a, a point of great sorrow and bring repentance, and your relationship just might be restored. Can you imagine? That's the hope. Uh, not a guarantee because it depends on the other person and their repentance. Um, and finally, as that happens, we find a new freedom to enter into God's love and to receive his love. When I read that he takes great delight in me, I can believe it more easily than when I held that against my dad. And it gives me new freedom, having received more of God's love, it gives me the freedom to let that overflow to people around me, dads including my kids. Isn't that great? Uh, it just, uh, but you can, do you have a sense of the hard work and painful work involved? Uh, it's like life changing. It's like for a long time I looked at those wounds as the worst thing that could happen to me only to find out there's one thing worse than that, and that is to pretend that they're not there and to do nothing about them. That's even worse. Well, I've got to tell you, uh, this is the end of the story. Um, I've, I've finished four, four and a half years as a plumber. Uh, Vicki and I have a new baby girl. We're, we're heading off to seminary in St. Louis from northeastern Kansas. And uh, the night before, we've got a truck loaded up. The night before we leave, dad and mom come over. And my dad was uh, a pretty silent type, didn't talk much, uh, wasn't one to express 
emotions or, you know, anything of great significance, right? And before they leave that evening, they came over to our apartment. Our apartment was in the plumbing shop itself. I, I was very close to my trade. Uh, here's what Dad said. Dad pronounced a blessing over me. This man doesn't know Christ, as far as I know. He, he's not in heaven right now. But he pronounced the blessing over me. Here's what he said. He said, Rick, and I may get emotional here because it's a big deal. He said, Rick, I'm losing a good plumber. But I want you to do what you feel like you need to do because that's what I did with my life. Just in preparing this week, I realized that that statement was his blessing on my life as my dad. He, in that one statement, now, and you know, the, those words came after four years. Um, in that one statement, he communicated acceptance. He communicated respect. He communicated care. My dad communicated these things. <laughs> he spoke these words. Uh, he communicated sacrifice. It would have made his day, and he didn't tell me this, if I'd taken over the business. Because once he got too old to, to do it, it, it was just, it just faded away. Um, but he wanted what was best for me. Is that cool? Is that cool? With that blessing, with that blessing, it's not like everything changed. But with that blessing, uh, wounds started healing. This, this, was, this took years. But wounds started healing. And I started uh, sensing the love of God seeping into new places in my heart that I'd never experienced before. Like I was entering into more of his abundant life. And as that happened, uh, slowly I started noticing somehow I was able to love just a little bit better, a little more sacrificially toward Vicki, my wife and toward my kids, just a little bit. I, I don't want to exaggerate this. <laughs> uh, but slowly and faithfully and gently, through much pain, God brought me through and tore down the walls. There's still more work he's doing in my life in that area. It's not over. But, oh, has he made progress. Now, in case this has stimulated your thinking, I, I want to tell you, first of all, if you've had a person in your life who uh, terribly, just terribly abused you, uh, could, I, could I just encourage you to get some outside help, to get somebody that is experienced enough to walk through the steps of healing with you. 
it, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, but if this has stimulated your thinking and, and perhaps made you uncomfortable, uh, I think that's a good thing. And, but if you want your thinking stimulated more, if you'd like to think about it more, uh, I just finished reading a book. It was just published this June, June 2nd, and it's called Lament for a Father. Lament for a Father, and it's by a man named Marvin Olasky, who is a Jewish Christian. Uh, and before he became a Christian, he was a radical, atheistic Marxist. And uh, he is now the editor of World Magazine. And his book is about his journey of trying to piece together the puzzle of who is this man that was so silent. And by his silence did so much harm in my life. Who is he? And he wrote a book about becoming a student of his dad, and much of that took place after his dad died. But here's the last two sentences of the book, and uh, I want to invite you, if, if you want to think about the stuff, how uh, sanctification can look in your life. How do, I, how do I more fully enter the love of God in a transforming way which impacts my life? Uh, I would commend this book to you. Uh, listen to his last two sentences of the book, and then we'll be finished. He said he, the author's dad, he, he's talking about his own wounding, but then he said he, he was also wounded as was my mother, as was her father, as is everyone. But no wound is too deep for Christ to heal. That is the hope. That is the hope. He takes us through painful things for our ultimate benefit so that we can more fully receive him transforming us into the people, the moms and dads he wants us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's a lot that we know. We know you love us. We know you died to pay the penalty of our sin. You know, we know that your spirit lives in us and he lives in us somehow to be changing us from the inside out. Uh, we know all that stuff. And yet, Lord, how many of us fail to experience the deep, deep love that you have for us. It's because we can't. And Lord, I pray for these brothers and sisters that as they discover wounds in their souls, the kind of wounds that numb us to life, 
that they would be so bold as to trust you that your power can reach to the depth of those wounds and turn them inside out and heal them so that we can taste your goodness and enjoy you in ways like never before. And for those here this morning that don't yet know you, oh Lord, you're such a good and excellent God and so tender and so kind. And oh, Father, I pray that you in your generosity will expose your goodness to those who are searching for truth. Hear our prayers, O oh Lord. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. 